oh, you don't want your kid to go through something that is going to be really challenging for them all the time. Every, I mean, school is, <laughs> it's like, they have to go every day. And this is a lot of work and a lot of struggle, but you know what? Like it, you can't just set in that. It's like, okay, we all have challenges in life. And at the same time, I'm so able to see the beauty of how her brain works in such a different way. And that's where I really try to keep my focus. Welcome to Raising Vibrant Kids. I'm your host, Rachel Blair. Guess who is back in the house? It is my good friend, Tori Rutherford. So excited. If you're not familiar with Tori, uh, she came on the podcast in episode four, where we discussed raising authentic kids. I just think that she does the most amazing job of allowing her children to be who they are internally and really fostering that and growing that. So if you're not familiar with her, I just want to give you a quick background. She is a mom to three kids, ages nine, six, and three. She is also a research nurse in the Department of Pediatric Infectious Disease at the University of Colorado Hospital and Children's Hospital of Colorado. And she worked for many years as a labor and delivery nurse as well. We met um, when our oldest children were infants and have been friends ever since and have shared our mothering journeys together. On today's episode, Tori is here to talk about dyslexia as she had to navigate that with her oldest child along with her spouse. And it's just a really touching story. She just the how she speaks to Isla about it, how they talk about it. I was I'm just I think that it is really can be very uplifting for any other parents out there who are struggling. And I know that um, diagnoses of dyslexia, of ADHD, of many other different disorders is very common now, and it's hard to navigate. So I just think that this episode is great. I hope that it makes you feel like you're not alone. I hope it gives you some good ideas to try. And let's jump in. Okay, so I am so excited to bring my friend Tori back on the show. Yay. Tori drops so much wisdom. So, <laughs> yay! <laughs> Happy to be back, for sure. I mean, I just feel like you have so much to give us and to talk about. And so today we were talking about it. We really want to talk about just creating the story of our children, how we talk to them, the words that we use, that that matters. And I've been so impressed when I talked to you about... Um, your daughter's dyslexia and that you guys, what you guys have been going through with that, because she and Emma are the same age and um, hearing kind of what you've been chartering that water, that water of her dyslexia. And then, but just, I'm always so impressed at how you speak to her about it. Like you give her so much wisdom in terms of like how she's thinking of herself. So can you share some of that? Yeah, of course. Um, so Isla is my oldest one. She is currently nine years old. She in kindergarten, the kindergarten teacher talked with me and Alicia and said she saw some what she called red flags and it, with her writing and reading. Um, she's so young. And, and she was also like one of the youngest in her kindergarten classes. She, um, we had put her sort of right into kindergarten. She's an August birthday. And so she had just turned five in kindergarten. So very young. And so at the time we were just like, well, as parents, when you hear that stuff, you're just like, well, 
you know, she's really young. And, and I, I, I didn't really think a lot about it. Like, you don't ever want to hear that. But I also was just sort of like, okay. And so we just started reading with her even more at home and just trying to work through that. And definitely was a struggle. And then sort of didn't really talk too much about it at that point. There's not a lot you can do at kindergarten. Um, And so then in first grade, her teacher once again, sort of just was like, we're still sort of seeing these things. And then it started to like hit us like, oh, there might be something here. We've had two teachers in a row and I'll say something. Um, And so um, we just really uh, started to look into getting her sort of evaluated and tested. And that is a, a very as a, as a, it's a, it's very challenging. It does, they don't make it easy. It's not like, Oh, you just do this. And this will tell you the answer. You know, it's, there's um, sort of a mini multi-level testing that they have to do of all different types of tests to understand. Is it like, they don't really diagnose dyslexia at that age. So that sort of, is it, you know, dyslexia, is it something else? So we, um, we're pursuing um, uh, m- uh, many different types of testing, which they did not really do they sort of did through her school, but we um, connected with the children's hospital out here and got her tested through the children's hospital through um, they have these sort of very specific programs. So we looked into the like learning program. It took us about six months to get in. There's a huge waiting list because this issue is actually as people who with children with dyslexia know is, is more common than you think. Um, and so she uh, was, we got her in there eventually for testing. And then we also got her in with a psychologist because they, they also needed to know if it was sort of attention or anxiety and all these things. Cause she had also showed symptoms of like high anxiety, not necessarily in the classroom, but definitely at home, a lot of just sort of obsessive thoughts about things that were just making her nervous. And just, and so we just wanted to see like what was going on there. And so once we got through a lot of this testing on her first grade year, um, they sort of were like leaning towards the diagnosis of dyslexia. um, And, um, and she was eventually diagnosed with anxiety, generalized anxiety through, through the children's hospital, um, you know, psychologist there. And then through the learning program that they have there, I forget what it's called, developmental learning something or other. Um, And so in her first grade class, because again, she was very young and, and she was showing signs of just lots of anxiety and sort of shutting down and on herself. She's a very outgoing kid, but she sort of started keeping to herself more and stuff. But because we think that, um, you know, when you're struggling and you don't know how to deal with it and you're so young, it's hard to sort of navigate a very traditional school world where you're constantly going to read and do this. And it was really hard for her, but she didn't know how to verbalize it. And so she started having outbursts after school, like just crying and like, just, it's, the, I, it, I'm bad and this is hard. And, and we were, you know, she was so young and we were just like, what is going on, babe? You know? And so uh, after talking to our teachers more, we decided as parents to hold her back and have her repeat the first grade because she was having such struggles with reading and writing. And she was the youngest in the class and like kids who are two years older than her in her class. So we thought, well, maybe if she were older in her class, she could get that confidence back up again and sort of, you know, set the pace a little differently, have another year to sort of catch up a bit and also not feel that pressure. Um, So that was a really, what we felt was a really great decision decision for us in her situation. And so we just did, you, you know, a lot of work and uh, they did diagnose her with developmental dyslexia at that time. So she was quite young still, like just in first grade, basically. And since that diagnosis, it's almost like 
I will say it's almost a relief to get something like that because you're struggling so hard. And here's us. They're always like, just read books with your kid. And that's all you, that really is what does it, you know, and we'd read and read and read and read. We always have her whole life and her struggles were so hard. Like she just couldn't, like she would read a word on a page and the next page, forget that same exact word, like a second later and constantly just, it was such a struggle. Um, But understanding like, oh, like this is actually like what she has this this diagnosis really changed our perspective on how she functions in the world so of course we read a lot of books about it we were meeting with um, her school specialist about it and just got very educated on dyslexia and how the dyslexic brain works and um, what you find out and what we tell her about it is you know their brains do just work very differently and it's actually this really beautiful amazing thing that their brain is just sort of wired in a way that, yeah, reading is really hard. Deciphering words, writing often is really hard, but the creative side of their brain is so big that it is, um, she's highly creative, highly intelligent, is able to function in the world in this creative way that other kids do not have that possession of and, and ability all the time. And so, so we have seen that aspect and it's not uncommon for kids with dyslexia to have like sort of a really sort of strong creative side. And, um, and so with, as we've learned more and more about it, we've learned how to sort of foster and praise those sides of things because they come easier to her. It's what she's good at. You know, like it's always about trying to create a space where she can have confidence. And when you are the person who thinks differently in a very traditional program, which is school, which is always, school is always going to be traditional, no matter really how, you know, uh, progressive your school is, it tends to be quite traditional in style. Like reading is very important and they grade you by reading and you have to read these color level books and this, and all the other kids are reading this book and you're reading that book. And that stuff is a really hard thing as a, for a child with dyslexia, because of course they're being constantly shown that they're not as good or as smart or able to do something uh, like other kids can do. So we've had to have so many conversations with Isla in that yeah, you, you won't be able to read those books like them. That's okay. Like you're not supposed to, your brain does not work that way. And so we have so many conversations about, but what your brain does do well is this creative side, you're art artist. And we talked to her about other dyslexics, you know, I think they said Einstein's a dyslexic, the, the, um, Steve, the guy who created Apple, Steve Jobs, is that his name? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like all these like really big thinkers, they're big picture, big thinkers who've done really amazing, impactful things in the world. And it's because their brain works differently. They see it differently. And what a beautiful gift that you have that you can bring to the world. And, And she sees it that way. And she's able to talk about it. She tells her friends that she's dyslexic. She's pretty open with her story because we've always been very open with her. I think that's how it is with kids. Like you, you take their story and, and you just, you, you just talk to them about it. Like it's, if I don't carry shame, she doesn't carry shame is what I've noticed. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, that doesn't mean it's easy for her. And it doesn't mean she doesn't have moments of having struggle, hard times in classroom settings um, where she, again, will start to feel like, oh, like they have me doing this and it's really hard and I don't understand what's going on. And, mm-hmm. and it does feel bad. So she's had to learn how to advocate for herself, how to use, they get accommodations. She has an IEP, which basically is um, what a school does when um, like a a public school has to have a a very set um, sort of diagnosis for her. And then they can use these, what they call accommodations to help her. And so as we're constantly trying to talk with her about 
hey, if this isn't working for you, you have to advocate for yourself to, you know, hey, I need you to read this to me and someone else to do this. I need my audio reader or whatever it is that she can do to advocate for herself um, to um, make it where her her school helps her. Um, And so anyways, back to her sort of just basic story of how we talk to her about it. It's just every day sort of constant, like we just sort of, you know, when things come up, we are always just like, yes, this is, you know, we, we just validate her feelings about how things are hard. We try to help her see how to advocate for herself. I think that's a huge thing to be able to advocate for yourself. If you do things differently in the world, or you feel like things aren't working for you, how do you do this self-advocacy to, to make it better? Um, We're there, obviously we advocate as well. And we're always there to support and just having that open story, having other people understand. I mean, the moments like where I've seen happen where she's been able to like in her piano class the other day, she's in this piano class and, and she was, we were talking to her teacher and I was like, Oh, you know what? Thank you so much for just like accommodating her. She was supposed to have all this stuff memorized and like music and the teacher let her have her music there. Cause it's really hard for her brain to have all of that in there sometimes. And I was like, with her dyslexia, it's, it's just, it just is makes it just where she has one less thing to worry about. And she's like, of course. And then a little kid in her class. And I, I was talking about her dyslexia and the little boy, he's like, I have dyslexia too. And it was in her piano class and they've been in the class forever. And he had no idea. And he's like, he was so like, oh my gosh, like she has this and I have this. And you could just tell, like, she talks about this and this is really cool. And he's just like, yeah, that's so hard for me too. And like, they just like, like bonded on it. And like, and Isla gets to, he's like really loves taking care of other kids. And it's like, yeah, it's really hard when you have dyslexia, but this is what I do. And like, and, and it's just able to, again, tell her story to kids. It's not an embarrassment thing. It's like, yeah, I recognize that this is hard, but this is what we can do. And our brains are super cool. And she just like, I hear her telling her story to other people in Mm -hmm. ways that is, is inspiring and allows, you know, people to sort of see it differently. I I just think that is so important. It's, it's nothing to be shameful. I think parents carry tons of guilt of like, Oh God, you know, they're just going to have strong, a hard time. And this feels bad. And like, you just carry this like sad guilt of like, in relay that to your kids your kids pick up on it like oh this is gonna be so hard for you and like you know but i i think we're constantly just like no like yeah these parts are gonna be hard but boy these other parts like you have this ability to see things and do things in a different way and how important is that in the world we can't do it all the traditional same way that is boring for one two like we need the thinkers that do things differently and she does she does things differently and is so creative all the time i'm just i always praise those moments all the time about how she's like wow how did you think of that that is so uniquely you and that that's so cool i would never have thought of it that way you know yeah sorry i know i I talked a lot just (laughs) (laughs) no you got the story like i think that was so good you have made so many good points and i I was thinking about it as you were telling it and I was thinking is the diet you were saying that the diagnosis was a relief because um, which I often think that it is like if we're sick uh, to actually know what's going on, you know, yes. like, oh, you do have cancer or this is going on for you because when you Absolutely. get that diagnosis, you're like, okay, I'm not just imagining this. There is something. And then it gives you the tools to like research it and look into it. But I also was wondering for Isla whether or not, because I think a lot of kids and a lot of parents are dealing with this, whether or not it's dyslexia or ADHD or um, any other kind of diagnosis that way, right? Is 
it hard for the child to get that and to be like, oh, I'm not normal, that I have this new, new diagnosis and that they can identify with that. And in many ways, it sounds like she started to really compare herself to other kids in school and come home crying and sad. And I know like my children, my daughter doesn't have dyslexia, but she still compares herself to kids in school and can come home really sad. And then how you guys dealt with it for her, like that you really focused on her strengths and yes. what amazing um, that this was not a, a bad thing, that there were really good things from it as well. Can you talk about those kind of um, those points right there? Or? Absolutely. That, that is a huge part of like what we do as parents. I mean, it's just so important. Like the most important thing I think for us, I, I, I can speak for everybody for us is to keep our children's confidence up and ways we can do that. There's so many things in the world that can bring confidence down. And definitely that's comparison to other kids. And I, we do this with all of our kids. Sorrentino is a little young, but with Lennon too, she, we do this as well. We're constantly think, trying to talk to them about ways they can keep their confidence despite, you know, maybe not being as good at something as somebody else or um, in situations where they are, um, you know, just like Lennon struggles. Like if she can't do something perfect on the first time around and she's just devastated, you know, it's like, it's like, how do we as parents constantly keep this confidence up? And so, yeah. And in a situation with like, Isla, who is obviously going to, to struggle. I mean, her disability is severe. She really struggles with dyslexia. And so um, just constantly, I, I think what, what we, we just did was just talk with her and just, you know, tell her about, you know, the positives of these things. I mean, that's, that's all you can do as a parent. I mean, every kid has uniquely amazing things about them. I mean, they're all uniquely amazing to me and to have it where somebody determined at some point in the world, like only these kids are the smart kids. And because they got this grade on this test and this exam, they can do well and they can thrive in this one setting. Yeah. That's how we determine like how our kids get confidence and stuff. Like, well, that seems- I love that you gave her examples of other people that have had this issue as a child, but that have been like wildly successful beyond yeah. like other people that you created the story for her of other people that have, have forged this path before. Like, I think that that helps anybody. Like that certainly helped me in terms of seeing opportunity, you know, where maybe I didn't see it before. Yes. And so you're showing her that like, it doesn't have to mean that you're not successful in the future. You could be wildly successful, Absolutely. you know, like Steve Jobs or, or you know, Albert Einstein, like, yeah. I mean, you're putting that in front of her, right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, and whenever I hear someone's name who's dyslexic or someone else, like, I don't know if you know who Susie Warman is. She's like the financial, like, I don't know. She's like, this is yeah. like the head of the she's financial a guru. world. Like she's ever. a guru. Yeah, yeah. She's a total guru. She tells her story and in school, she could barely read. She sat in the back of the class. She could like struggle always like in, in the, you know, like just could not function in that world. And Brandy Carlisle, the musician said she couldn't, she was totally dyslexic in school. They like, could not do it. Never thought, you know, just thought she was so dumb. And she is like, those two people are like, 
extremely articulate, extremely successful in their own unique ways. And, and it's like, yeah, so you just constantly hear these stories like that are just like, oh my God. Yeah. Like this doesn't have to be that way. And I don't know from the era that I grew up and probably many before us, there was really like, you're doing it this way and this is it. And you better, you know, go like this. And so as a parent, my, like the way I, she's putting her um, hands in a box, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, I see your box. Go ahead. Yes, I, yes it's the box. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I, I know I talk with my hands so much. I forget. You know, <laughs> can see it. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's just like the, there, you are just amazing. Like to, to think that they, that one type of way of thinking is the only way is just like, what a waste, like all these yeah. brilliant kids who don't want, who don't think that way, but are so unbelievably creative, like trying to foster that. So for us as parents, you know, with her in school, she is in a public school and it does have to be like, they have to sort of, you know, teach to the masses. I totally get that. But that doesn't mean I don't walk in on the first day of school. We meet teachers and advocate like crazy, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, like, She's got dyslexia. Of course, we have these conversations right away if we have to. Um, and so we talk about how to advocate. Um, we talk to him about her story, like how she is very confident in this story. Don't, that doesn't mean she wants to announce it to the classroom, but she is comfortable. She knows she has dyslexia. And our very important thing is don't ever talk about it negatively. Don't ever say like, this is, a, a, you know, this is something that's sort of yeah wrong with you. Most teachers would never, but yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's a gift. We think yeah. of it as a gift. This is the language we use. We talk to the teachers about this and some of them already have that down. I think that is so important that you just said we, the language around it is important because thoughts matter, right? And what your kid thinks about it matters and how they see themselves and perceive, perceive themselves that that really matters because you're creating the subconscious identity for them. Absolutely. And, 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 and words are, are hard and insidious and they can eat away at you and you hear it from other people and that it's no matter how confident you are, someone says something pretty negative, it it can eat away at you. And if it's your teacher saying it, boy, Mm. that is a person in power, person that you trust and that you're learning from that is so much even more so, you know, or your parent who you, or your parent who you, who is, who loves you, you know, and I, and I, and I say that like, not to um, shame parents into like what they've said to their child, course, but to really no. make you think like what you say about your child and about whatever disability they're dealing with, or even, even if they aren't dealing with a disability, that it does matter. And it creates that identity for them. And sometimes we're not careful enough yes. about the stories that we're telling our kids. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think I'm just highly sensitive to, again to all those things, the story that's being told, the acceptance that's there, the seeing the beauty, despite maybe not understanding fully like what's going on. And like, you know, just the way I was brought up again, like coming out young as, as gay, I think those things like are all the things probably I craved, but didn't get. And I heard things from teachers, you know, like, it's like, oh, like this, this world could be different. Like, we just those stories are so important. Those, that language, how we talk about things. I think, again, in the gay community, we're always talking about how to properly uh, address people the way they want to be addressed because it's very important. It's those little things which are actually quite big, little bits of language um, around anything. It's having that level of sensitivity and understanding that, oh, like just saying this in this way could dramatically change the way it affects somebody that the impact on somebody is, is very different. If you, if you just change these few words, it's, it is like that simple. Um, 
but yeah, it, but obviously the authenticity behind it, the, the, um, you know, deeper understanding is very important as well. You know, like, Hey, like I, I know like you're yeah. painting differently. Her, her teachers have done well with her overall. Um, I mean, I always have <laughs> challenges of course in a classroom setting, but you know, like they are just like, yeah, you, you do think differently. And this is, you know, this is what we're going to do. And this is okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like once we knew and once she was able to have her story and understand it and now can advocate for herself and and we advocate as well it it just is it's night or day she doesn't come home so upset about not understanding why kids are so much smarter than her that was me doing air quotes it's her going oh this is hard and like uh, this is frustrating and like they you know like how like they this is this is just the challenge for me because my brain doesn't think this way and I'm like yeah, that's the conversation I want to have. You're recognizing the challenge because it's challenging for mm-hmm. your brain, not because you're not smart, right? It's right. just like, how, how can I do this differently? Because this is hard for me. You know, like, yes, yeah. that's going to be the thing you're going to have to deal with because that's reality. This is going to be hard for you. How do we do it differently? How can we yeah. make it happen differently? Like, not I'm bad. You've told me, maybe you can tell the audience, oh, what do you guys make her do in the morning to really kind of like um, help her have some self-love and like, um, to improve her confidence. Yeah. What's the, <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, so, I know Alicia started it. I think Alicia did it, but yeah, like, what yeah. did... no, totally. Um, so each, each day, well, Isla also with her dyslexia has what they call executive functioning, um, issues. So that means like, is not able to remember anything. Like, so if I said her, just like, get ready to go to school, she'd probably walk out and like her socks and like no backpack and like just nothing would be remembered. And so what we've gotten good at is creating like little lists, checklists. So they have a morning checklist and afternoon checklist or evening checklist or whatever, um, just to help, just so we don't constantly have to tell her everything. And on that checklist, um, which is equally important to us as getting your teeth brush and putting your shoes on is telling yourself you love yourself in the mirror. Um, and so each morning as part of their checklist and they do it because they are they do their checklist really well. <laughs> they go in and they like look in the mirror, they have to look at themselves and tell themselves they love themselves. Um, and I think that, you know, as much as they absorb that, or even they might think it's silly or, oh God, I love you. You know, like they do it every day and it is very important. And um, I just think it's a good habit for them to get into. And yes, Alicia, my wife is the one who started this. And it just is like a, a reminder that, hey, like, you are, you know, it's just like, what yeah. a small gesture and, and a simple thing they can do to just, Hey, I love you. And I don't know. I, I just do you know like where she got it beautiful. from? Do you know where she got the, cause I know like uh, Alicia and I, I feel like we read a lot of the same books, but like Louise yeah. Hayes talks about mirror work all the time and loving mm-hmm. yourself and just the power of loving yourself. And we don't love, I mean, most of us struggle with that. And most of us like feel unworthy a lot of times. And I mean, mirror work is supposed to be really amazing and helpful to kind of love yourself again, basically. So do you know where she got that from? I actually, uh, you know, I don't like, like you said, she's always reading things like that too. And I'll have to ask her. Um, I just know like she just, it, it's so Alicia to just like have them to do those types of things. And so when we were making the checklist, we we're like, well, let's make sure to have this on there. Um, but yeah, I'll have to ask her exactly where she pulled that from, but it, it's yeah. been going on for so long now. I can't even, you know, remember like the start of that conversation. So, yeah. But I, I mean, I feel like the other thing too, is that, I mean, I, I would be curious to know if you guys heard it somewhere, but like Tony Robbins always says like beliefs can create or beliefs can destroy. So the fact yes. that you like, so 
Isla's belief in herself is going to create, you know, her doing well in school, her doing well in life, or the belief that she has a disability and she can't, she's not going to do well in school could completely destroy her. You know what I'm saying? And so beliefs really do, they control our actions and our identity is super powerful and really kind of drives our life and where we go and the actions that we choose to follow basically. And so I'm, I'm just, when you told me the story, I was like, I'm so impressed with like how you guys are handling this. I'm just so touched, but thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it it is, it's, uh, it just to me as a parent going through this, it's really hard. I don't want to say I haven't cried about it heavily. I've, when she got diagnosed, yes, was it a relief? But boy, did I cry a lot. And yeah. boy, like I've talked to, you know, her teachers. And I mean, I've, I mean, it's hard. It's like, oh, you don't want your kid to go through something that is going to be really challenging for them all the time. Every, I mean, school is, <laughs> it's like, they have to go every day. And this is a lot of work and a lot of struggle. But you know what? Like, you can't, you know, sort of just set in that. It's like, okay, we all have challenges in life. And at the same time, I'm so able to see the beauty of how her brain works in such a different way. And that's where I really try to keep my focus. I mean, I definitely honored the sadness and and, and, and recognize that, you know, and that's okay too. Like that is real. I mean, this is stuff is hard. You don't ever want to have anything, you know, to be diagnosed there, but you know what? This is what it is. And she would not be who she was. She would be a different person if she didn't have this. And I love so much who she is. Yeah. It's just, um, I couldn't even imagine. So at this point, because, you know, I'm sort of past like that initial sort of shock and sadness that, you know, right now I'm just like total, like, all right what are we doing? How are we making this easier for you? What do we got to do? Like, let's, let's create a world, you know, as much as we can to make it a better place and easier for you to learn because your brain is so smart. And how do we do this? You know, like it's, it's becomes a challenge that we overcome together and talk with all the time. I'm so glad that you said that because like back to the beginning of what you said, because I know that a lot of parents are facing this and just to acknowledge those feelings and that you cried and that it was hard and that you were, that you don't want your child to have to go through pain or difficulty and that you want everything to be easy for them. And um, that it's not all sunshine and rainbows necessarily, you know, and I think most parents can resonate with that if they're going through anything. I mean, and even if your child doesn't have a disability, we all go through stuff and we all have our children all go through pain and it hurts. <laughs> like it hurts when your child's experiencing pain, it hurts. It's terrible. So I think that it's awesome that you honored your own grieving process of like what it would look like in her school years, that it was going to be a little bit different than maybe what you would expected, you know, that you said, I allowed for that. I really allowed for that, that to happen and to grieve it a little bit. Yeah. And so, and that you've been able to shift it because it's not, because I mean, we all have problems, right? Like we all have problems that we're facing, whether or not it's dyslexia or I don't know, whatever else we're, we're facing in life, right? And so that you were able to see the the good side of it was is awesome. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, and I see it more as challenges, problems, no challenges, challenges. Let's go, let's go this. Yes, like I love is, that. Not yeah, problems, just, yeah. challenges. Yeah. How do we see this differently? How can we, you know? Yeah, it's gonna be nonstop, and yeah, yeah, some of that is so so hard. Or it could be an opportunity. I mean, I know, and you get. I feel like a lot of the things that I've gone through that I like was like, wow, that was hard. That was painful. Has actually 
put me in a spot where I grew more as a person and became more of an opportunity for me than it was, you know, a lasting problem that just stayed around in my life. Yeah. I mean, I think like Isla being going through this, she is so just able to relate to other kids who are challenged with this stuff. And she's so good at talking with other kids and like, and relating to them on those levels. Oh yeah, this is hard for me too. Or I know how that can be so hard. And like, I just see it. And so that ability to um, relate to kids and, and be empathetic and just talk about their feelings. Like what I just like, what a gift you have in class and kids are very drawn to that with her. Cause she is able yeah. to, you know, they feel safe. They don't feel judged. They don't feel, you know, like, it's like, Oh, this person's a safe person. This person gets it. And she gets it because she's gone through so much already. Yeah. You that know? little boy in piano class definitely felt that. Yes. Cause nobody talks about those things so often, you know, you could just see, he's like, Oh, she said that word out loud. Like, Oh my gosh. And I have yeah. that and she's cool. And you know, like you could just see his like little brain, like, ah, like, yeah. I was like, yeah. All right, buddy. You know, you guys, you, you're doing piano. Look at this. You're in master class, and you guys have dyslexia. That's not easy for you and you're doing it. You know, like, it's, it's important so cool. to not feel alone and, you know, and that you have somebody that mm-hmm. is going is dealing with that as well. And so that means so much, but well, I think we're actually, we're actually at our time for today. Uh, You and I had talked about wanting to even share more stories. So we might have to have you come on again. I know this is like, Tori always has so much wisdom. She always has so much to say. <laughs> we were going to, no, I, I love we it. were going to talk about more stuff. And uh, I'm like, Oh, we're already at like half an hour. So I know that you bring so much goodness into my life and into your kid's life. And so I hope that today's conversation really helped people that are dealing with any, any disabilities or struggles. So thank you for coming on. No, thank you for having me. And um, thank you for talking about these things in particular, like yeah, d- disabilities and dyslexia. Like it's, it's really close to my heart. And um, I just hope anybody out there who hears this finds a little bit of comfort in the conversation because it is challenging, but it, it is a beautiful gift on so many levels. And I see it every day and they're not alone. So I just think thank yeah. you for given me the opportunity to tell the story. Wasn't that absolutely amazing? I mean, sometimes I just want to be a child in Tori's house <laughs> because of the unconditional love that she offers her children. And I just love the story where she is telling her that she this is a gift and that her brain is a gift and it's beautiful and it's magnificent and she's so creative. And what a beautiful story that she's creating for her. What kind of story are you creating in your life? I hope it's a wonderful one. And I am constantly working on my own story and trying to be more aware of the words that are coming out of my mouth towards my children. And I know that sometimes I'm not always 100% perfect, but I am a work in progress and I'm trying to get better on a daily basis too. So I hope that if you are struggling with something in your house, like um, a diagnosis of dyslexia or ADHD, that this conversation just really brought you some comfort, brought you maybe some wisdom. And, and if you're not 
I think that the stories that we tell our kids are still important and that we should really work on honoring their strengths and noticing them over their weaknesses. So I hope that you all have a wonderful week and I think that you are amazing and I think that you are a gift to the world. Thank you so much for listening today. And if you know somebody who could benefit from this show in particular, please feel free to share this episode with them. I would really appreciate it. (music) 